Hello, and welcome to Weird Science, the psychology podcast. I'm I'm Laura. I almost forgot that part. <laughs> and I'm Emily. Don't introduce yourself, I guess, and then I won't ever again. That's the last time. Oh, never. <laughs> At this point, they have to know yep. who's talking. Uh-huh. Okay, well, anyway. Um, what? I'm starting. You're, yeah, I guess so. We can we're start talking off. about. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, according to the list, we're talking about. I sorry, the word I can't pronounce. Some, some, some. What conversion? <laughs> Conver- you put conversion disorders versus. Oh, somatoform. Um, uh, somatoform. Somatoform. Right. Disorders. Um. And also mass psychogenic illness, but we might. Well, we might do a later thing on that. Maybe. Well, I'm like, I didn't research I told that. you to. Yeah, but I, when I went back and looked, and like, I know we're doing, like, we're doing, like, the somatic symptom disorder. I was like, okay, well, let me see what Laura actually put. You didn't put that word on there. Oh, well, I told you in real life. Okay, but. I expect you to remember. <laughs> that's never a good idea. Because, um, first of all, Laura, I need to update some of your language okay. here. Because. Um, you are stuck in the past with the DSM four with okay. your terminology. Well, sorry. Um, that that. So sorry. Laura's my, not hip with it. I, uh, the stop that was not towards Emily. It's towards my cat who's playing with the cabinets. <laughs> by the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, somatoform disorder is not like a thing anymore. I well, I mean, <clears throat> I kept seeing conversion disorder, but then I also sometimes saw somatic. So I put both so that you could clarify. Oh, okay. Because I thought either either there's some sort of difference or. You know. oh, okay. Well, then I'm gonna get with it. I did I did most of my stuff I think on conversion disorder. Sweet. Um, just because like like I said, uh, somatoform disorder doesn't like exist anymore. Right. You know, as it yeah, goes. Yeah, it's not in the DSM. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not even it's not a term anymore. Um, but I did look up somatization. Okay. Uh, more words I'm gonna have trouble <laughs> with. This is this is gonna be fun for me. Um, Somatization. Nope. I tried to be cool and say it right, but then I did not. Sucked it up. Fuck. Never mind. That's what you get for trying to be cooler than me. Somatization. Okay. Let's move on. All right. I owned myself. It's fine. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll start by defining what somatization is. So this is the psychological mechanism whereby psychological distress is expressed in the form of physical symptoms. The psychological distress in somatization is most commonly caused by a mood disorder that threatens mental stability. Um, so usually this is seen in, first in non-psychiatric settings, which makes sense. People are not going in because they have mental distress. They're going in because... My leg's not working, mm-hmm. or I can't hear. Right. They go to the doctor. Yeah, they're like, something's wrong with me. Oh, you um, didn't exactly explain that what the disorder is, is when you have, did you say physical symptoms for? Yeah. It, okay. It, yeah. Okay. I mean, I said, and, I'm sorry. Here, I'll, I'll put I, it in layman's terms. I zoned out. Is, <laughs> thank you. Uh, let me put it in layman's terms. Like, we're not my even like cat's a here. I know. We're not <laughs> even a minute in, and she's already not listening. My cat's here. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, sitting on our dish towel. Yep. Putting his dirty He's butt cute. on our dish towel. Anyway. You're going to have to clean that later. It's fine. Um, he did it earlier this week, and I just forgot to take the towel off, so. Laura, I'm sorry. Dishes on that. 
Anyway. Lead off of two. Continue. <laughs> All right. But I guess to put that in layman's terms, are you listening yes. now? Um, essentially, when you have some sort of mental distress, usually a mood disorder, instead of ex- – it doesn't get expressed as that disorder. It gets expressed as some sort of physical ailment. Right. So completely – Deafness. Yeah. Uh, inability to move. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah, basically, your mental distress manifests as a physical ailment. Yeah. So, symptoms are typically uh, multiple and can be very vague. Uh, they can refer to a single or multiple body systems or functions. Um, some presentations they included were like cardiopulmonary, gastrointestinal. I should have read these before. What? I just like genitalia. No. Genitourinary. <laughs> Okay, I was so close. That, yeah, that's <laughs> downstairs area. Right. Musculoskeletal. Yeah. A doctor even said that word. Muscular skeletal? Yes. And neurological complaints. Pain and fatigue are also common. They did mention in a very outdated article I found. Oh, I should mention my sources. Oh, yeah. Or should I do that at the end? Either way. Okay. You I'll mentioned them now. Yeah. <laughs> I already mentioned them. Uh, I got my sources from NCBI. I was, there was a medical article that I just found the PDF version for mm-hmm. uh, by Trevor A. Hurwitz. Thank you for putting that online for free. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Yes. Um, so back to where I was. So, yeah. They did – oh, yeah. Pain. They mentioned in the in his article his, – his is probably a little outdated just because of how old it is. But I don't think – when I was, like, Googling it, even looking up, like, scholarly articles, mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of recent stuff. So I just don't know how well funded it is in terms of research. Right. Um, but they did mention, like, chronic pain as potentially being, like, uh, a somatic, uh, like, a form of somatization. Right. I'm going to mispronounce this word. It's fine. Yeah. I'm hoping to maybe pronounce it differently each time. Um, <laughs> so some fun history is that somatization disorder was first described by Paul Burke in 1859 and was subsequently known as Burke's syndrome. Uh, Burke's? Yeah, like his last name. Wait, what, how do you spell it? Uh, it's not the Broca guy, is it? Broca? Yeah, that one. No. No, different guy. It, okay. It's B R I Q. Different neuropsych guy. I pronounce it like I think because it looks French, so I kind of pronounced it French by not pronouncing the T. So maybe it's Briquette. Okay. Um, I got briquette, you. Briquette, I don't know. Anyways, it's his syndrome. So he described patients who have been sickly most of their lives and complained of multiple symptoms from different organ systems. Um, these and eh, these symptoms persisted despite multiple consultations, hospitalizations, and investigations. That's where I started. So, um, just to kind of give some of the update is, so somatic symptom disorder now covers, um, somatization and hypochondriasis, hypochondriasis. Yeah, yeah. Hypochondriasis. There we go. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Um, these are all, I mean, these, all these disorders are under the umbrella of somatic symptom and related disorders. Conversion disorder used to be under this umbrella, um, but... It is, God, it's under like a, I think it's neurological function disorder. I put it in my notes, but not where I'm talking about it now. Mm-hmm. But just for funsies, um, this disorder, these disorders are also categorized with factitious disorder, right. illness, anxiety disorder, and NOS. Wait. Is, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it's paired with these? Like it often 
coat? Oh, no, no, sorry. Or it's under the same umbrella? Yeah, under the same umbrella. Okay, sorry. They're sorry. all like, I should say same classification. Right, right. But yeah, and NOS, this is the modiform disorder not otherwise specified. Right. So the fun, I don't know what you have, but it sounds like this, so you're going to go and right. the miscellaneous. Like, category. I don't even have the qualifications for generalized anxiety disorder, so I'm just anxiety disorder of another specification. <laughs> They're like, we're going to catch you somehow. Yep. Um, so I'm sure just because you're dying to know the criteria of this disorder. Mm -hmm. So you have to have one or more somatic symptoms that are distressing or result in significant disruption of daily life. If it doesn't disrupt you, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, which is just that this is general. Yeah, pretty much. If you're, well, it's not, pretty nonspecific. Yeah. Hmm. You'll see it in a lot of them. Uh, excessive thoughts, feelings, or behaviors related to the somatic symptoms or associated health concerns as manifested by at least one of the following. So, disproportionate and persistent thoughts about the seriousness of one's symptoms. I'm assuming that kind of, you know, brings in the hypochondriacs. Mm -hmm. uh, persistently high level of anxiety about health or symptoms. Excessive time and energy devoted to those symptoms or health concerns. So... Uh, they have ones that says, you know, although uh, any one somatic symptom may not be continuously present, the state of being symptomatic is persistent and typically must be more than six months. So you have to specify if it has, uh, with, with predominant pain, um, you have to specify if it's persistent, mm -hmm. and then you have to specify current severity, the... Um, Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, hot soup. What do you want? Food. Yeah, always. Surprisingly, my cat's just silent. Uh, yeah, that's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so current. So you have to specify the current severity. Uh, the mild. Um, where only one of the symptoms specified and criterion B is fulfilled. Moderate, which is two or more, and then. Severe would be two or more of the symptoms, and then there are multiple somatic complaints. Um, so I do want to point out that this is different from malingering, which okay. is right. often brought up. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically someone who is usually for monetary purposes. Yes, they're purposefully faking an yeah. illness to gain some sort of money. money get out of Stop jail it. thing. And we briefly touched on it in our Munchausen's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's... That's more related to malingering. Um, <clears throat> and I bring this up because really the difference between malingering and someone who has a somatic symptom disorder is that someone with somatic symptom disorder, they're not conscious of the motivation yeah, no. and they're not conscious of faking. They, exactly. To them, it, this is real. Like they yeah. really are blind, deaf, exactly. paralyzed. Yeah. You know, and it'll whatever. even show up in their brain signals, I think. I, I don't know if you go into that, but I I'm do pretty sure bit. it does. A little bit. Um, so one, so talking about sort of, um, so basically they say like the source of the somatic symptoms is that this is a psychological defense against mental instability. Uh, the primary goal of it is to just reduce mental distress by manifesting it in a different form. And the secondary gain would be, or a secondary goal would be like interpersonal benefit because, mm -hmm. you know. Um, when you're in mental distress, you want to be taken care yeah. of. And so having people take care of you for having like an actual illness, um, or, you know, quotations, actual illness, um, mm -hmm. you, you would get it from that. So, um, 
they say, you know, that the primary goal is unintentional because uh, it is an unwanted disturbance to them. Um, Stop it. Stop it. Sorry. My cat is beating up Emily's cat. He's coming back. Yep. Uh, He's going to bite him. Stop is. it. So, so rude. rude. No. Um, Sorry. Where was I? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Like I said before, patients believe and feel that they are sick. They are not aware of their underlying psychiatric disorder. You know, this motivation that drives these symptoms. They have no idea. For all intents and purposes, whatever physical ailment they have, that is what is actually the issue. So, they're not deliberately faking symptoms. Um, but what I do find was interesting is that the specific form of illness that surfaces uh, really does reflect the patient's beliefs about how diseases should present. Basically, the, the illness, how it physically manifests, is basically based off of how a patient believes they should. Because um, mm -hmm. the symptoms are ideogenic, so right. they reflect the, this person's idea of what the concept of sickness rather than the organically disturbed anatomy or physiology. Right. So it will appear atypical or bizarre to a physician. Right. Um, but it might fool the layman. Like, the layman might just be like, oh, my God, they're having a seizure. Oh, yeah. Well, because, I mean, for yeah, for the average man, yeah. we don't know the specifics of, like, a seizure. We just know yeah. we see someone convulsing on the floor, like, oh, God, that's a seizure. And we don't know that they're just going, yeah. like, you know. And, but that's also, <laughs> that could be exactly what the, yes. the person with this disorder was going to do, because they also think, think that, that, exactly. that that's what it's supposed to look like. So, um so the, what will happen is these symptoms will occur in the absence of identifiable diseases or the pattern, severity, and duration of symptoms and signs, as well as the induced dysfunction, and they don't match any known disease. Mm -hmm. So major depression is one that is most – okay, so yeah, this is what I mentioned about the pain. Is that major depression has been identified in 30 to 60% of patients with chronic pain um, and in 48 to 90% of patients who sodom, uh, somatize. So major depression has like a huge crossover with this comorbidity. Makes sense for both of my cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any sort of underlying stress. Yeah. And honestly, depression is a lot mm -hmm. of stress. Yeah. I mean, the definition just of it does say that this is co-occurs with just really mood disorders, mm -hmm. but depression I think gets to be the biggest one. Yeah. Um, it is also found to be present in 54 to 88% of patients uh, with conversion symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um the, the stretch is a little bit big. It's 54 to 88 I feel like a lot of percentages, a uh, percentage, percent, it's I can't speak thing. suddenly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, that, the, the margin's kind of wide for a lot of psychology, mm -hmm. psychological things. And yeah. I yeah. think it's well, just the nature studies. of the subjectiveness and, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was actually really interesting is that, um, this is a bit of an off topic thing, but you know, we talked about some of my side classes where, like, a lot of papers that don't get published and stuff mm -hmm. like that's just a lot of lost research. And I thought it was really interesting because this paper that I pulled it from mentioned, an, like, it um, cited an unpublished article, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Publishers choose whoever is going to make the most money. Oh, yes. And we <laughs> don't – and we as an audience do not care – about someone trying to replicate someone else's study. Like, yeah. Fuck that. It's not novel. We don't want to get it out here. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, I have a whole, I will, the whole book. I have a book that mentions called The Seven Deadly Sins of Psychology. 
Yeah. That one's mentioned in it. We'll probably get on our soapboxes a couple of times about that. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so there, um, currently at the moment, there's no real agreed upon explanation for like these somatoform disorders, these mm-hmm. somatic symptom ones. Um, but there have been some factors that are associated with it, which um, this I do go into more detail later with them, but I'm just kind of general now is uh, increasing age, low social class, a history of physical illness, a family history of physical illness, membership in cultural groups that discourage emotional expression, can't mm-hmm. express your depression, can I go someplace, um, right. another word I can't pronounce. We'll talk about that in toxic masculinity. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, Alexithymia, which is non-psychological mindedness. Interesting. Until I copied this, because I don't know what that means. Yeah, me neither. And (laughs) a fear of psychiatric stigmatization, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. If, in your viewpoint, having depression is like a really bad thing that you shouldn't have, but you have that distress, it's going to... You're gonna your your brain it's is like manifest. I'm gonna deal with it somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, theories of why, like, because like like the, the theories around why like a person has like a like a it manifests as like a specific uh, physical symptom um, usually says it could be symbolic of the underlying condition. Um, like I remember, I've heard Freud talk about that, oh, so Jesse I just Wade. don't care. <laughs> uh, the example that I've heard before for this is like, um, a, like a child who lives in like a house that's very um, unstable with like parents who are like yelling and screaming and fighting a lot. Mm-hmm. Their somatic symptom could be like their dad, right? You know, so like, they can't hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, can't hear the fighting yeah, anymore. So, yeah, it's just a theory. Uh, or they've also said that it could previously mo- it could model a previously occurring symptom that they had, like as an actual physical ailment or a family member had. So that brings it back to that history of physical illness mm-hmm. is you had, I don't mono, um, mono. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that you have that for a while, don't you? Yeah. You, and yeah, then I you would so. replicate from that because you already been through it. Right. So. Um, it, this somatic symptom disorder has been a controversial diagnosis since oh, yeah. it was historically based on primarily negative criteria. That is, you have a physical ailment and we have no medical explanation for it. So they're like, right. uh, must be your brain. Yeah, it's got to be your What's brain. Your, and it's historically with women too. Like it must be your hysterical wandering womb. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going off. I know. Laura, she's got feels about this. I do. So, um, so consequently, what this means is any person who is suffering from like a really misunderstood illness could potentially get categorized uh, and meet the criteria for this psychiatric diagnosis, even if they don't have any actual psychiatric symptoms. Um, right. So now I'm going to go into more specifically conversion disorder. Mm-hmm. So this is when the somatic presentation involves any aspect of the central nervous system over which voluntary control is exercised. So conversion reactions represent fixed ideas about neurological malfunction that are consciously enacted, resulting in psychogenic neurological deficits. So this is, yeah, people, like, they, they brought up um, convulsions. That's the word I'm looking for. 
Seizures? Seizures, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, they brought up seizures as being a common one for this. Yeah. So again, the giveaway uh, for this is that it doesn't follow any expected, like, actual like, neurological yeah. disorder. Like, there's... Like, a doctor would look and be like, wait, what the <clears throat> fuck are they doing? Yeah, like, uh... that, that's <laughs> off. Um, yeah. So the symptoms are also uh, resilient and fail to resolve following negative neurodiagnostic investiga investigations, reassurances, or care provider rejection and persist across all settings. So your doctor's like, your brain's fine. The person's like, no, there's something wrong with me. Right. Um, which, again, has its pitfalls. Mm -hmm. um, so typically the observed signs uh, are is this this is the fun neuro the neurology one uh -huh. is that the the observed signs the physical you know the neurological deficits are much worse when they are being formally evaluated or when circumstances bring the deficits to the patient's attention. However, when observed or unobserved, neurological dysfunction does remain present and interferes with the patient's functioning. So the symptoms are fixed because the beliefs are fixed, but the severity of it can vary okay. based on Wait, how much attention. Wait, can you put that in? It. I'm sorry. I lost track of the symptoms get worse if they're being observed? Yes. Okay. So if I bring it to your attention right? or I'm trying, like, yeah, because a doctor we're trying to, like, talk about it, is uh -huh. they're going to notice that the symptoms are going to be exhibited worse. Okay. Uh, and I do get into the actual, like, That actually makes sense of for this. one of my cases, yeah. so. Um, so, like I said, it used to be housed with uh, somatoform disorders, but yeah, it's now classified under functional neurological symptom disorders, which was a little confusing because the article I got all of this information from was pre-DSM-5. It was DSM-4. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then now the fun history of the conversion disorder. Right. So, according to Wikipedia, it said it stems from ancient Egypt and then proceeded to never mention them again. Oh, I was going to um, say, I thought it started with Hi Hippocrates. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah, this is one of the Hippo guys. Hi Hippocrates. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then, yeah. Like, and it, He's the one that came up with the term hysteria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was, it was... Thank you, medical terminology class that <laughs> yeah. I almost <laughs> failed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. But, yeah, it was formerly known as, Laura pointed out earlier, as hysteria or hysterical blindness because... Your uterus just gets up, yeah. starts walking over the place. Yeah. It was really interesting. I don't, I don't think he meant literally, but maybe he did. Did he? Okay. You're giving me a look like he's really dumb. I'm just oh, kidding. my God. No. Because um, <laughs> I know it's called, like, he called it hysteria to mean wandering womb. Right. Yeah. Here's part of the, I didn't write this down, but, like, I did the research today, and mm -hmm. it definitely stuck with me, okay. um, was that if, like, Certain disorders, I think of, like, the head meant that the uterus had, like, wandered up. And to get it to go back down, they were like, what if we put uh. something that smells bad under your nose? <laughs> Scare it back yeah. under. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, like, they were talking about where, like, you would put, like, different I thought you meant it, like, went, body. like, out of her body. Oh, no. And went, boop, and, oh, like, grew no. little legs and, like, walked around. <laughs> That'd be great. No, like, it wandered around the body. Okay. I was thinking, like, I don't know if you've seen Tuca and Birdie. But there's like a point where um, Birdie is like sexually harassed, uh -huh. and her boobs like I'm getting out of here, and just like pops up and really walks familiar. away. <laughs> uh, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> if only. But so yeah, and um, and the disorder was uh, thought to be caused by a lack of orgasms, uterine melancholy, and not procreating. 
So as much Sorry. as we might hate Hippocrates for being like, it's women and their crazy wombs, um, he was like, gentlemen, you the need... ladies have hysteria because <laughs> you're not giving them good sex to fix that. Yeah. Keep sex positive. I guess um, so. That's one thing. I mean, I feel like the Greeks in general are sex positive. But anyway. My favorite is the line is, the Greeks believe that it could be prevented and cured with wines and orgies. Yeah. And I mean... I I feel like the Greeks were sometimes a little too sex positive. A little too rape positive, to be honest. So, yeah, because what he said is that uh, a lack of regular sexual intercourse led to the uterus producing toxic fumes. And that's why he decided, like, I can't be here anymore. It's it's bad. I gotta go upstairs. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, yeah, so it says that means that all women should be married and enjoy a satisfactory sex life. Or they can just move to that Sapphos Island. I know, right? Because that's where you're really going to get an orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, and then for, in the 13th century, uh, women with hysteria were exercised as it was believed that they were possessed by the devil. Basically, the doctor can't cure it, the devil's doing it. Right. Um, during the 18th century, they finally moved... From the idea that hysteria was caused by the uterus to being caused by the brain, which also means mm-hmm. that men can have it too. Yeah, because uh, I think Freud was like one of the first to be like, men can sometimes get this mm-hmm. too, which mm-hmm. is like, I guess that was okay to say Freud. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate him so much. Anyway. And then uh, Jean Martin Charcot, I don't pronounce his name, mm-hmm. uh, he argued that hysteria was caused by hereditary de- degeneration of the nervous and tr- nervous system. Namely, a neurological disorder. Bravo um, to him. Yeah. So the concept of conversion disorder came to prominence at the end of the 19th century with that neurologist and then um, psychologist Pierre Jeannet, uh, who focused on the study of the subject, and of course, Sigmund Freud. Um, and I do hate this, but Freud was the one who suggested that emotional like charge or painful experience was repressed and that that yeah. emotion was converted into a neurological right. disorder. Which we can kind of write, but don't worry. He was super sexist. No, because because Freud is a super reliable man, um, is that any man, woman who had a conversion disorder that um, that repressed painful experience was, of course, sexually related. Yep, because... We, we can trust one thing from Freud, is that it's always about sex. I think one of so. my favorite stories is, like, um, a woman, her leg was... Or, like, she was paralyzed in her left side after her father died. Mm-hmm. And it was probably because she was really fucking sad that her dad died. Mm-hmm. But Freud was like, it's because in your childhood your dad raped you. Oh and she punched him. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm I pretty sure I remember too. that. <laughs> or she at least stormed out. Like, yeah, it was something that's, dramatic. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn Freud. Yeah. Um, but so before there are studies, people with hysteria were often believed to be malingerers. So they mm-hmm. did help bring that awareness at least. Uh, but we can, we don't want to attribute that to Freud. We also have Pierre Jeannet and Jean Martin Cartcharcot. Okay. Other French <laughs> people. Um, so, like I said, it's usually caused by depression and it manifests. It's a conviction of like, I am physically ill mm-hmm. and then there comes the neurological disorder and it's going to be weird and it's going to look funny because um functional so functional imaging studies have provided support for what they call conscious active inhibition mm-hmm. um so this is why symptoms are less severe when patients are distracted or not focused on the issue basically right. they will see it like in brain activity and stuff 
that once their attention is drawn away from it, the, you know, it's just not as, um, it's just not as serious. And right. there, this article did have a lot more neurological stuff that I just didn't understand because I don't have that neuropsych okay. background too much. Um, the best. I know, but I was just like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> what I gathered from it is that on some of the neuroimaging they did was like, I don't know when they were talking, they were, I think they might have been talking specifically about seizures, but I'm not positive. But basically, they've done neuroimaging. Mm-hmm. They know what parts of the brain like light up and do stuff when you have certain like yeah. neurological disorders. And essentially, the brain just wasn't doing that. Okay. Um, just because your brain, I mean, how, how you like, how would you fake that? Right. I, yeah, I think like the ones that I've heard of, where mm-hmm. like the brain patterns do match actual physical mm-hmm. defects, is usually in like blindness. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. where the like cortex isn't really picking up those signals or yeah. something. Or there, but then there's um some disorders where the signals are picked up but the person swears they cannot yeah. see but then when they guess certain stimuli like okay well how many fingers am i holding up mm-hmm. they more often get guess correctly than incorrectly, incorrectly yeah but sometimes they do guess incorrectly mm-hmm. but and and they're not like lying yeah. it's just they it's just the don't know that they it. can yeah. see it like i even i'm i probably sh- i'm not going to go into details yeah. but i do have a patient like that mm-hmm. where her uh, she has a certain visual disorder um, where she often does not perceive stimuli, but then when you ask her to guess, she can usually guess correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that one's not a conversion disorder. Yeah, that's, that's like a like different, a it's a different thing. brain thing. It's yeah. like, it's because she was born with a severe eye turn. So like okay. she just has a lot of messed up vision problems. Anyway. I mean, I think this is just also hard for something for maybe to kind of conceptualize the idea that you could like, someone who's has the somatic symptom of being like blind how do you see something but not see something yeah like, it just i think it's just hard to understand and we just have to know that these people are not faking it right it's just it's the brain is weird and yes. it does weird things it does weird things mm-hmm. um so like so i had mentioned before some of the controversial uh parts of this Mm -hmm. and um it is an issue like i really liked how this article was all like it was like really stressing the importance of this so um in the past up to 30 percent of patients uh who were diagnosed with conversion symptoms were then later discovered that they had been misdiagnosed they actually did have an organic illness Mm -hmm. this has dropped to about they said about four to fifteen percent due to those neuroimaging techniques right we now can like back some of the stuff up um but they really stressed that it was really important that before even beginning treatment for this stuff is that this person is thoroughly evaluated yes just to make sure that you don't want to treat them for the wrong thing yeah like that's not going to help anyone you don't want someone who thinks they have cancer to get chemo because that will really fuck you up yeah. if you don't have cancer and you don't want someone... and if you do have cancer it still fucks you up but yeah. like it's better than having cancer and if but also, if the person really does have cancer, you don't want to be like, like no, 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 yeah, yeah, you, it's we have just to figure out how to head. solve yeah. their psychiatric disorder. Right. So either way, really, really bad. Yes, um, important to diagnose correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, with conversion disorder, um, these symptoms, if they're acute, mm-hmm. uh, they can resolve spontaneously without explanation. Oh, uh, sorry, I misread that. They can resolve spontaneously with explanation and suggestion. Um, so some 
like it said, sensory motor deficits, they can respond to treatment in rehab yeah. um, with just a behavioral approach and no psychiatric intervention. So the, I, I didn't state it as a theory, but I mean, I don't know how otherwise they would know, but essentially the, the theory is that with, since it's an acute thing, this, the emotional distress that caused the, this symptom, yeah. this physical symptom kind of just dealt with itself like it's no longer present and so then um you know you put them in a behavioral therapy and it's like suddenly it's like okay you know like it's better now yeah it essentially goes away uh as they said it's like a face-saving exit which i didn't think was a good term to use but i I mean i understand what it means is this sort of like the brain's like okay they don't know so i'm just oh guess what we can see again yeah um and the person's like finally yay i don't know what happened and the brain's like yeah (laughs) like ha 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 ha. (laughs) brain's a dick sometimes (laughs) so um though if it is chronic i mean the brain is just doing the best it can it's trying really it's just trying to help you trying so hard (laughs) It's like there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Okay. So um, when it is chronic and entrenched symptoms, this usually does require admission into a psychiatric like inpatient facility. Um, you should pick one that has experience with conversion disorders. They will usually go undergo uh, acute psychiatric decompensation um, as part of helping them resolve their neurological symptoms. The start, of course, you can tell it uses a lot of big words. Yeah. Fancy words. No, that's not what it meant. I remember I read that, and I guess it made sense, but now it doesn't. <laughs> then just skip it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the treatment, the whole point of the treatment is to basically figure out what the underlying issue is. Yeah. Um, and then, now they say, like, uh, it can usually emerge over couple of weeks and it can also include other hidden psychosis maybe things that didn't originally assume so what is really important part of this therapy Mm -hmm. is really helping establish the dignity of the patient yeah you um don't so is they said is in the article is that when you have staff you need to tell them like you can't be like you're faking you can't say they're faking it you can't become angry um saying that you know the dependency they have on maybe certain drugs or like right. you know physical therapy or whatever um that it's unnecessary or that they need you know that they're they don't need nursing care and mm-hmm. you should not suggest subtly subtly or overtly words mm-hmm. uh, um <laughs> use the word subtle subtly because you want to be subtle i do i want to pronounce <laughs> all the letters so yeah don't and you know, any way, shape, or form, try to suggest that they are attention-seeking, manipulative, or exaggerating, or faking their neurological difficulties mm-hmm. because they're not. Yeah. Um. So some and kind of common uh, therapeutic strategies are like CBT and expressive supportive therapy. Yeah, and that was CBT, not CBD oils. Yes. Cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. There we go. Yeah, this is before CBD became a really big thing. Yep. Although I'm sure plenty of people will be like, yes, the CBD really helped me with this. I know. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. don't know how to feel about it. but I feel like the research is too new to really... I say if it helps you, use it. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, you know what? If it's a placebo effect... Who cares? All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it helps, it helps. 
So essentially in this, you're going to give them an over detailed history. Um, you basically are going to just go down the list for all their physical symptoms and get every minute detail. Like you're going to go into this. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be, it says demanding for physicians, but it does reassure patients that their physical symptoms are not being dismissed or overlooked. Because once they feel like they're not being listened to, you're never going to get to the core of the issue. Because the core of the issue is not the issue they're looking at because they don't know it's there. Yes. So, um, basically, uh, you can kind of lie to them a little bit. You tell them that, you know, their current evidence indicates that their conversion disorder is caused by a neurochemical disorder of the brain. And mm -hmm. in some cases... That neurochemical disorder is depression. So right. it's not right. like it's being like you don't actually have that. It's just being like this thing is actually caused by depression. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, family therapy, he says, is almost always necessary. Yeah. And that this makes is, sense. Yeah, because they usually are heavily invested in the patient's symptoms, and they have put in a lot of time and resources to helping this person with their neurological disability. So they have to come to terms with the fact that this is actually a psychiatric illness. And I'm sure it can cause anger, but they need to help these people accept that this person is genuine, genuinely sick. And just because it's not physical, it's, it's ne yeah. or neurological, doesn't mean it's not an illness. Right. Because this person is still going to need their support throughout yes. this process. Exactly. So uh, it mentioned that patients with conversion disorder uh, commonly demonstrate physiological and psychological medication hypersensitivity. Uh, with unusual side effects. Uh, this, they say, is in part to their uh, reluctance to accept they have a psychiatric disorder. So uh, hmm. when starting medication for treating mood disorders, they said that um, they can prematurely abandon these trials, be like, it's not working, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. um, so they do need that. They do need good reassurance, support, and they mentioned that you should probably slowly up it. Um, right. You don't want to go too, too crazy. crazy. Yeah. And it mentioned that if they are on other medications for, you know, their physical ailment, that those need to be tapered off slowly. Yeah. Um, and what, I mean, I, I, they mentioned that for um, the, the common one that's given to people who have seizures. I don't remember. What it I can't, I don't know. But um, if that I one, heard it. That um, one was mentioned. Dazepan? That, that sounds really familiar no, to me, like the, to my brain. I know it, I it was. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Everyone's yeah. screaming at me. It's fine. Sounds like a... I don't remember either. Oops. I don't remember either. I... Um, diazepam is... Oh, that's a benzodiazepine. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. It, it is for seizures. <gasps> I was right. It's okay. for anxiety and seizures. Yeah, diazepam. Cool. They did not mention that one. It okay. was more of like the class of drugs rather than oh. like a specific name. Okay. But... So what they say is that I feel smart. <laughs> Sorry, you are smart. <laughs> so, <Thank you. laughs> so um, neurological symptoms that fail to resolve with antidepressants alone, they say to give them neuroleptics. Uh, these can target somatic delusions, uh, which is one hypothesis for the reason why, basically, if this person is presented with, you know. Like, basically inarguable evidence that this is not a physical disorder. We'll still be like, no, it's mm -hmm. not true. They, they're they saying somatic delusions are a thing. Yeah. So the prognosis, because everyone, I feel, should care about that, right? Yeah. Um, is that uh, even without specific treatment that is directly 
like targeting um, the symptoms. Hold on, sorry, I'm going to take a moment. Like, what am I reading? Uh, but yeah, like even without specific treatment, 28 to 63% of patients will have a complete remission of their present neurological sim symptoms. 20 to 29% will show some sort of improvement and 10 to 52% will be unchanged or worse. Um, now this guy believes that if they Wait, follow. So basically it just goes away on its own eventually is what you're saying? It can. Right. For the most part. Um. Now, this guy is saying if you follow the things I told you to do, yeah. uh, it says there is about, a, uh, about, with him, you know, about 68% of patients demonstrated a full neurological recovery, 12 had a variable recovery, and 20% failed to demonstrate any recovery. He suggests that the 20% had a severe and treatment resistant underlying disorder, mm -hmm. and that a subgroup of these 20% had. Uh, their underlying issue was resolved, but there was the persistence of the neurological uh, disorder due to maladaptive behavior. Yeah. And then, so is he states it's good to note that prognosis is, can vary widely, and like this can be recovered like in weeks. It can also take decades. Be like sometimes intervention is needed, but sometimes it may resolve itself. Relapse can happen. And some degree of symptoms can carry on indefinitely. Yeah. So it's all up in the air. So uh, he says, as I mentioned earlier, um, so we'll come back and talk about some of the category, like the factors into it. So it does seem to be most common in rural, lower socioeconomic groups, mostly because they think because these people may not have access to a lot of medical information, mm -hmm. um, and they certainly probably don't have a lot of uh, therapeutic psychiatric support right that actually comes into play in one of my cases so. yay over look at me yeah being related to you <laughs> um the ratio is about two to six to every uh, two to six females to every one male yeah so this is um potentially overdiagnosed in women or underdiagnosed in men or yeah. maybe for men something like this presents differently like alcoholism yes. right um it is rare in children younger than 10 or the elderly and peak onset is around the mid 30s so there you go yeah that's a lot of stuff on conversion disorders and somatic form disorders slash somatic symptom disorders that one yes. i can define and um just because you didn't go into it i'm just going to define it right now uh, mm -hmm. mass psychogenic illness is basically just conversion disorder but like on mass scale. So, like, it happens amongst multiple individuals in the same area. Ah, uh, yes. That was mentioned. I didn't I, I didn't put that down because I remember mass hysteria was mentioned in yeah. DSM-4, but not right. DSM-5. It's called the mass psychogenic illness. Yeah. So, it's still in there. It just has a different, different name. name. Yeah. They didn't bring it up again. They were just yeah. like, yep, that's a thing that used to be there. Now it's not. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some uh, cases. Um the first one I have is like an individual case, and then the second one I have is sort of the mass yeah. psychogenic ca uh, illness case. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the first one we are going to talk about was in a study called Conversion Disorder in a Depressed Patient, the Analysis of Paralysis. Ah. I like how they rhymed. <laughs> those guys. Yeah, those guys. Um, so this is a 2001 case study of Mr. B., a 47-year-old computer software salesman. 
Mr. B was rushed to the ER. He was completely paralyzed, could not speak, could not move. He um, had collapsed at work. Horrible. Very dramatic. Yes. Because he started off right out of the game. Yeah. And when they when they got him there, couldn't figure out what the heck was wrong with him. They don't know. What is this guy doing here? What's going to happen more? You got to tell me. I know. Okay. Uh, um, He was given a thorough physical and neurological exam, even a toxicology report, and nothing could be identified as the source of the problem. Curious case of Mr. B. Benjamin Button. <laughs> no, we're not going. All right. Anyway, I saw sorry. that movie. <laughs> oh really? I just know what kind of so happened. It's old. Okay. Oh, oh, oh you never, never saw that movie. I never okay. saw it. I thought you said I just saw that oh. movie. I was like, Jesus. No, it's Ketchup. it's not relevant now for me to watch it. Anyway, um, yeah. So so what is wrong with poor Mr. B? Well, directly before 911 was called and you know he was rushed to the ambulance. Rushed to the ambulance. Rushed to the ER in, in the, the ambulance. ambulance. I'm sure he was also rushed to the ambulance, oh, I, too. Yes, probably. Um, he had a huge screaming match with his boss because he was fired from his job. Ooh, yes. Um, so, he had been working 60 hours a week. Probably because his home life wasn't super great. Mm. And um, he had even noticed in himself, like he he later talks about this because obviously right now he's non-responsive and Mm -hmm. in a paralyzed state, but he later, you know, reveals that he was very stressed out, he had been working a lot, and he had noticed he had been declining in his work performance, Mm -hmm. probably because of the stress and Mm -hmm. depression, Mm -hmm. but we'll get to that. Um, And so, yes, he was subsequently fired, which... Caused him to freak out, start screaming, yelling mm-hmm. at his boss, and then eventually seizure uh, situation, and then geez. falling to the ground, paralyzed, completely mm-hmm. non. Uh, apparently, he was like, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, like yeah. where their mouth is open and it looks like they're screaming, but nothing's coming out, uh-huh. and then he just collapses. It's, this is what his idea of paralysis is. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so, finally, um. He regained his ability to speak in the hospital, started, you know, um, doing minimal responses. He mostly started saying, why, daughter, like, mm-hmm. not really getting out the full sentence, but they eventually picked up that he was like, do not call my wife or oh. daughter. Like, oh. do not tell oh, them what's like, happening. I want my family here. No, no, don't no, let no, them know. don't let them know. He's just in the hospital, and they're like, where's, where's? Yeah, well, considering wife and dad were not living in the same oh. house, yeah, oh. it gets kind of sad. Oh. Anyway, uh, he had depression and yeah. home life was not going great. Yep. So he he is you know when they couldn't find out find anything physically wrong with him and he started like communicating in like little broken phrases, they were mm-hmm. like he needs a psych eval, and they shipped him off over to the psych unit. So. Um, he finally, like, comes around and they're able to, like, ask him more questions. They do reach out to his wife. Obviously, they're not going to just be like, oh, no, that's fine. We don't need the doctor. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So she uh, was living with her mom at okay. the time. 
at Nadegazain, generally speaking, and um, stated that she moved out because he had become increasingly violent, getting into loud arguments, throwing items across the room, and verbally abusing her. He even admitted to the doctors that he had called 911 on himself after he had threatened to throw her down the stairs. Which, like, I mean, I guess that's the least you can do if you threaten to kill your wife is call 911 on yeah. yourself. Like, there's still part of you that's like, that was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's a start. Ugh. It's something. And um, uh, this was not like, and, and this had all been increasing over the last couple of years, but was definitely not the first time he had had violent outbursts. Mm-hmm. He admitted that a f- uh, four years earlier... He had trashed a hotel room because he, quote, became angry. Mm. And this landed in uh, him in a psychiatric facility overnight where he was just casually discharged with a prescription for antidepressant medication and Xanax. But it doesn't sound like he followed up with that for very long because he couldn't even remember the name of the antidepressant. Don't you just love inpatient <laughs> hospitalization? Yeah. Mimi. Um, so he, he first started receiving psychiatric help in high school, um, and he was diagnosed with depression. He had multiple cases of suicide ideation, but uh, denied homicide ideation, but, uh, dude, you tried to kill your wife, so, or you threatened <laughs> to kill your wife, so I feel like... It's like I started throwing a stare, not murder her for yeah. somebody. Um, but I guess he didn't, like, consciously... Yeah, idealize about it. So I guess the idea is, I just want to hurt you. Maybe not necessarily. Like in the moment, I'm like, I could push you down the stairs right now. But you're not like thinking about it, fantasizing about it. Want her to die, sort of thing. Right. Um, It's a thin line. It's yeah, it's a little thin. Um, and his pat, like both of his parents, um, had suffered from alcoholism, and his mom eventually died from alcoholic cirrhosis, which is very, very sad. And it uh, basically, it's when you consume so much alcohol that over time your liver just gives up on you. So um, his dad also suffered from depression and alcoholism. Uh, All I'm hearing is uh, this was almost inevitable. Yes. He didn't stand a chance. Nope. Yeah. So he said that his symptoms, like I mentioned, had gotten worse over the past two years. He had been sleeping less, uh, noticed poor concentration at work, low energy, poor appetite, and just general feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness. Um, He, you know, obviously knew that his stress came from work and his marital situation. Like, it sounded like he was kind of maybe even in a lower position than he could be qualified for Mm -hmm. because he was just a software salesman, and he had a degree in, like, physics with, like, a specialization in computer science. So I feel oh. like he should have been, like, an engineer in a software program, yeah. not a salesman. But, but depression it, will it, keep you from... Yeah, and it might have been, like, a salesman for, like, computer firms or something yeah. where he would have had more technical expertise. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah, didn't get any of that. Um, so he also had very high or stress from financial issues because... Um, his current wife was in a custody battle uh, for her children um, with her ex-husband because mm-hmm. they were from a different marriage. So you. she was trying to keep her kids, mm-hmm. and but that was taking a lot of money, and he was stressed out because he couldn't really afford it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And, uh, oh, and she also was unemployed at the time because uh, she had some sort of accident with a chiropractor. Sounded like she basically was unable to, like, move or function on a daily basis. So, yeah, he was very in a very stressful situation. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not forgiving his actions. I'm just (laughs) saying, like... like Oh God! <laughs> he was depressed for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so, um, never gonna make it. Yeah. Um. So after his initial attack, he was just observed for a couple of days, and he started to get better. Um. You know, he no longer felt like he couldn't move, and he was able to speak normally. Mm-hmm. Um. And so after you know a couple of days, and he didn't have another episode he's eventually just released and um after receiving some supportive treatment what i'm i'm assuming that means counseling of some sort um all the study basically ended with like he met the criteria for conversion disorder under the dsm-4 criteria and um his extreme stress at the time was thought to be the cause of his physical reaction rather than something else going on right and um, uh, because, like, only 25%, according to this paper, only 25% of people uh, will relapse, um, they kind of just uh, wished him the best of luck. And <laughs> were like, well, you probably won't relapse, so, uh, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Bye. Just like, goodbye, yes, I see you. I just, I Hope you actually fill out that antidepressant prescription know, right? this like time. Really I just I just think of that scene from Princess Bride, you know, mm-hmm. off to Stormy Castle, bye-bye. Goodbye, bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. isn't they going to die? Oh, absolutely. They're gonna absolutely going to die. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, bye. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> just like, bye! He's gonna relapse with me. Yeah, bye! Yes, goodbye! He's yeah. never gonna take those meds. Uh-uh, no, bye. bye! Bye now! Yep, yep, exactly, pretty much. And that's just kind of how the case ended. It was just like, yep, he met no all the criteria. There you go. He's probably super depressed still. You're Mr. B out there. I know. How are you doing? I, please, I hope you sought counseling. I know. Um, if a, you got a divorce, know that it was probably for the best. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, she sounds like she's already got a lot going on, and yeah. you got a lot going on, and just... Oh, um, he did mention he had a particularly good relationship with his biological daughter, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that that's, like, a source of, you know, I need to help myself in this situation yeah. and well, seek therapy, because he said she was basically the reason, or, like, according... It insinuated in the paper that mm-hmm. she was kind of the reason he never followed up with his suicidal thoughts is because he oh, didn't. Okay. Yeah. So. I, mean, I mean, and also, I don't know, I guess she's, this is a much older man, because I'm thinking, like, if you don't tell the oh, daughter. Oh, he was right? 47, okay. I think. Well, because yeah. it's like, he's like, don't, you know, don't tell my daughter. It's like, well, is anyone taking care of her? Yeah. yeah. Where no, is she? she's probably 20 or something, okay, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. yeah, like in her late teens, early 20s. I forget that some people have kids. Early? In their 20s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean people we know, which is very right. disturbing. Ugh. <laughs> people I went to high school with. I was thinking Already you. having babies? I know. I Disgusting. I'm 23, I'm too young. <laughs> All right, sorry. I was having a mental breakdown here. But I was thinking more of your parents. Oh, right. Um, Who are like a million years old. Yeah, my parents yeah. had me in their 30s. Oh, yeah. My dad was in his 40s, so. Yeah, Your my mom are... was close to forty. Yeah, Your parents were like, they have this kid. Yeah, the t- t- clock's a ticking. Let's get this yeah. done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
anyway, so that was, yeah, my first one. Kind of ticked off the boxes of, like, you know, seizure slash paralysis due to stress. Um, Very typical case. Yeah, except that it was a man. But, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised he wasn't. It didn't say he was alcoholic, but that's Mm -hmm. probably the reason he ended up doing this little breakdown is because mm-hmm. maybe he didn't rely on alcohol because he saw what it did yeah. to his parents or whatever. He, yeah, but I would say being raised by alcoholic parents might make him steer away from that. Yeah. But that's also then why maybe he also still didn't know didn't how to deal with his know how to, distress. Yeah, which I think I think it's like surprising that more men don't experience this because I feel like again, toxic masculinity yeah. would make them not talk about their problems. Unless they do the the bad. Right, exactly. Alcohol. Like my dad. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, kind of kidding. Maybe. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Everyone has their own coping mechanisms. Not all of them are great. No. But anyway, so I guess I'm I'm not, like, I guess, yeah. For me, it was unique that he was a man in the sense that it doesn't often happen with men, but it Mm -hmm. also doesn't surprise surprise me because mm-hmm. of the toxic masculinity yeah. not wanting to talk out your feelings yeah. and men feeling can't be depressed yeah you you feel no crying yes men don't cry not real men not real men anyway yeah so um anyway Find your feelings gentlemen you need them <laughs> they're there to help <laughs> anyway not to be repressed into a tiny box forever mm-hmm. um my second case is a little bit bigger and a little bit more conspiracy theory-ish. Conspiracy theories. They're Uh fun to listen to. Yes. Um, So this this article was an interesting one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a psychological article. It was actually examining why in this day and age the diagnosis of conversion disorder was eventually accepted over the diagnosis of a physical disorder. Okay. So it kind of didn't say that it was necessarily psychological or physical. It was like, we actually don't know. Um, mm. Could be either one, but, you know, it was accepted to be psychological, and we think this is why. I'm not going to go into that. If you want to read the article, you may. <laughs> uh, but I'm here to talk about the psychology parts. So the name of the article is Mass Hysteria in Leroy, or Leroy, New York, don't know how to say it. Didn't listen to it. Probably Leroy. should have looked it up. It's two different words. It's like oh. Leroy. Oh, Leroy. Leroy. Is it French? I don't know. Anyway, Mass Hysteria in Leroy, New York How Brain Experts Materialized Truth and Outscienced the Environmental Inquiry. That's a long title. It tells me nothing. Yeah, I thought it sounded kind of judgy. They were like, <laughs> brain experts, out science, the environmental experts. I'm oh, like, yeah. Eh, yeah we, a little... we got you, environmental but, experts. But, I mean, you know, in the article they say, like, this is why it was perceived that way, mm-hmm. not that we agree with it yeah. or whatever. Okay, so, anyway. It's clickbait. The time. Fall. 2011. The oh. place. Leroy High School. Or Leroy High School. <laughs> um... Yes, it is a small town, Leroy, is a small town, close to Rochester, but on the way to Buffalo, so it's kind of like in between those two New York cities, Mm -hmm. Um, and close to the Canadian border by Toronto, just FYI, so you know. 
I mean, I Where do I'm know because I tried. It's rural. Like That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Toronto and realized Toronto doesn't have an airport. <laughs> you have to land That's in New York dumb. and then cross over. Anyway. I was like, what? Or at least they're not going <laughs> to fly me to Toronto. That's weird. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's, it's very rural is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. It's not even those cities which are, you know, somewhat big. It's like a tiny little place in the middle of all that winter wilderness. The bum country. Yeah, and it did take place during the – yeah, okay. It did take place during the winter, which might, you know, I didn't think about this. Seasonal depression may play a role in this. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but anyway um, – Multiple teenage girls at the high school started, uh, and, you know, it later spread a little bit, but it started with the high schoolers. Um, They began to experience twitches, involuntary verbal tics, and seizures, um, some of which required hospitalization, but could not be stopped by sedatives, which is Mm, interesting. That is interesting. And um, the girls and their parents described it as like some sort of Tourette's like uh-huh. symptoms, which, as you were saying, it looks more like their idea of Tourette's yeah. to me. But we'll get into that. Uh-huh. Um, so the parents obviously became very concerned when they realized, like, because these girls didn't really socialize together, like they didn't really know each other. Okay. The moms found out because they saw the other moms posting about it on like Facebook mm-hmm. and stuff, and were like, "Oh my God, that's happening to my daughter! Like, what is going on?" So they started reaching out to, like, the news outlets, and eventually a national outcry was made where they got on, like, I think it was, like, the David Letterman show, uh, and the Daily, what's that one? The Daily, shit, I don't know. Um, something, something, Daily Reports of the News all over the U.S. Sure. One of those, okay. you know. Um, and, like... Um, other national news shows. Yeah, they were like, on national Good news. Morning America sorts oh, of things, you know? Fancy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at least one went yeah. on Good Morning America. So, um, yeah, they got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And obviously New York was like, fuck, we got to do something about this. So um, they decided to put together an investigation um, initiative uh, that combined... Uh, so like the school district decided to partner with the county and state departments of health and mental health to figure out what the heck was going on. And after several months of investigation, an announcement was made by one of the health commissioners in charge of the project. And they said, um, yeah, so we can't find anything physically wrong with these girls. And we think there's some sort of underlying stress disorder that's actually causing these symptoms. Mm -hmm. The parents we're fucking pissed. They're like, my daughter is not faking it. My daughter is not crazy. Like, they were so mad. They thought this was a cover-up by the government because they were being poisoned by the factories in their area. And the government didn't want them to know. Your child is depressed. I know. Like, they're a teenage girl. Of course they're fucking depressed. She's depressed, she's anxious, she doesn't like how she looks. (laughs) The boy she likes won't talk to her. Her best friend's angry at her. And the world sucks when you're a teenage girl. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, they were like, no, this is a cover-up. Like, they they didn't test the school grounds. Like, they were very suspicious because, yeah, they weren't really, like, testing the school grounds themselves Mm -hmm. for toxins. Um, they said that they had ruled those out by, like, the test they did on the girls. Yeah. But they were still mad that they weren't, like, investigating 
all of that possibility. And honestly, for good reason. And I'm going to get into it a little bit. Um, He was built on top of his words. Oh, yes. Let's not ignore that. Oh, I was right? Uh, Yeah. So the parents, pissed off and not convinced, they called up who else but the queen, Erin Brockovich. And if you don't know who that is... Prepare to be educated. I was just like, her the movie. Queen of England? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, she she has no authority. No, 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 no. But there is a wonderful movie with Julia Roberts playing Aaron Brockovich, okay. and it is called Aaron Brockovich. And it is about this woman, real life, found out that the industries in her area, I think she's from Arizona, somewhere mm-hmm. in the desert, New Mexico, she found out that the industries in her rural county neighborhood were indeed poisoning the water systems, causing cancer. A bunch of people died in in her community. And that's when she started doing the investigations herself. She was, um, she was a paralegal, I think. Uh And she had noticed like, a woman came in and wanted to do like some sort of lawsuit against like a company for like, building illegally on her land or something yeah. and that's when Aaron started finding out like and getting deeper and deeper and um <sighs> yeah it turned out they they won like a huge national lawsuit about it because like these companies had been giving a lot of people cancer in her community yeah. I just heard recently on the on the radio this is really for announcement but some I don't remember one popular brand of like weed killer is apparently like they knew that it had cancerous qualities and they just didn't say anyone so. right I mean, to be fair, a lot of things are carcinogens. The sun is a fucking carcinogen. Mm-hmm, that's true. Anything that can cause cancer or mutations is a carcinogen. So there's a lot of them out there. But it, it is a little sus when industries don't own up to it or don't yeah. do their due diligence mm-hmm. in taking care of that waste properly, yeah. which is what these companies oh, were yeah, not doing. put it in the water. Like, no Excuse one's going to know about it. We don't drink it. Exactly. And like, I think what happened is the cattle started dying first and that's Mm -hmm. when she was like, something is wrong. But anyway, so watch the Aaron Brockovich movie. It's very good. It's very dramatic. Julia Roberts. It's great. We love her. We love her. I mean, I'm kind of indifferent to her, but I do, I, you know, she is America's sweetheart. So I just, I meant like, (laughs) yeah. And I, I, I I thought it was a good like uh, performance Uh and it was an entertaining movie. So (laughs) anyway, so yeah, they called up fucking Aaron Brockovich. They're like, She's gonna get shit done, so she sent up a team of in, like of her own investigators and her own environmental assessors, and um, the school barred them from entering the premises, Ooh, which does suspect. not look good. No, no, no. No, and um, oh, shit. yeah. So I put in parentheses super sus in capital. So so sus. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, they eventually allowed like the leader of the, uh, team who was like an experienced environmental scientist. Um, I can't remember his exact qualifications, but sounded like he did what my dad used to do as an environmental scientist. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with that. And, um, he was allowed on the premises to take a tour of the school as long as he promised not to take any samples. And he was strictly banned from taking any sort of soil samples or water samples on the campus. Sneak out dirt in your socks. <laughs> right? Scrape it off your shoes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- wh- why are you standing there rubbing your feet in the ground? I just... 
Don't, I just, shit. don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> sir, stop moving your feet. Right. Sir, sir. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Um, anyway, so he did uh, get some water samples from wells that were very close by the school, but on residential property. Uh-huh. So he, like, got permission to go to those. And, like, yeah, he's trying to figure stuff out. So um, they also did some research. Turned out, 1970, a train crashed near the town and released, you know, a casual 2,000 pounds of cyanide and 30,000 pounds of trichloroethylene, which, according to its MSDS page that I looked up because I had no idea what the fuck that was. I don't know either, but it sounds bad. Um, it can cause cancer and genetic defects. Um, and it also, like, affects the liver toxically and, yeah, all that good stuff. So, yeah, 30,000 pounds That's after a, a train crash um, seeped into the ground around, and it actually still is affecting one of the waterways in the area. And the EPA, like, vouched for that they're like oh yeah we've known about that for a while we just never cleaned it up you know it's it's the government (laughs) they don't do they try to do things i don't want to be like throw the epa under the bus oh no they're trying their hardest and considering i you know my dad has friends that work for the epa their funding has been cut so fucking much especially under this presidency that it's ridiculous the epa the fda you want them to do things but they can't because they don't have the funds yeah and so yeah i get it But when, um, you know, obviously this was discovered by Aaron's team and they even found barrels of the toxic waste that had been removed from the site on the campus, just like sitting there, guys, like, come on. I will pay for the truck to remove those. Oh, don't worry. After they like released that tidbit to the media, the EPA was like, "Mm, it's probably a good time to actually, you know, remove those. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get them. We'll finally go pick those up. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's where we left them. The flip side. Mm -hmm. The barrels, while they did contain waste cleanup products, actually did contain minimal amounts of the toxins. So it's kind of questionable about how deadly they were, you know, how dangerous. And the water samples that the guy took from those wells also turned up, like, minimal amounts, like some trace amounts of... Toxic, toxic stuff, but like not like a crazy amount. And um, you know, meanwhile, as all of this media frenzy is happening about you know all these toxins that could possibly be in the environment, the girls were going through therapy and they were getting better. So it's kind of pointing more towards this isn't a toxicity thing. Mm-hmm. So while there was like that super sketchy like what the, yeah, what, what, the fuck, what are guys? you guys doing? Like <laughs> it's still more likely than not that this was conversion disorder. Yeah. So let's get back into that. Um the doctors uh providing like the therapies found out that these girls were very into like their social media and their following and like they were not they didn't really have good boundaries on like how often to use their social media and how much it was affecting them do i still have good boundaries (laughs) But, but um when they started getting like counseling and therapy on how to like you know manage that and manage the stress it caused a lot of the girls' symptoms were, like, disappearing and getting better. Good. 
And uh, they actually, like, the doctors, like, said, like, to the news media, like, we think you're making this worse. We think, like, because of Aaron Brockovich and you guys, like, hyping this all up. Making it a whole thing. Like, some of the girls, like, more victims started popping up after the news Mm -hmm. media, like, released all this crazy information. And so they're like, we think you're causing more victims. Like, we don't think these people would have had a problem if you hadn't hyped it up so much. Um, so the media actually listened, which is kind of surprising. I know. What? Uh, and did what now? Yeah, the local news stations were like, you know what? If it helps these kids, you know, a quote, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, but they're basically like, look, if it helps the kids to have less seizures by not showing the videos of the seizures, we're going to stop showing the videos of the seizures. So the media really cut down on what they were showing mm-hmm. and how much they were talking about it. And, you know, the national news outlets kind of followed, like, and, and it, probably they were bored, you know, to be honest. Like, yeah. it was probably an old story by like, then. Yeah, for we'll do it for the kids. Yeah, especially after, <laughs> yeah, doing it for the kids. But actually, Erin Brockovich is pulling out because she yeah, didn't she, find anything. And, uh, and guess we're what? Kind They're of... a cute dog, and that guy just got murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got other things yeah. to cover now. So, yeah, um... Uh, so again, it's not like a hundred percent clear on if they were, you know, solely con- like, you know, underlying stress, or maybe there was some overlapping. I don't know, Everything. but uh, it seemed to be, especially like I think like the biggest thing was that these girls didn't socialize together, so they were like, why would it all happen at the same time? Mm-hmm. But and especially if they didn't know that the other girls were experiencing the yeah. disorders. But then the ones that popped up after, I have to assume, popped up because they knew about what was going yeah. on. And I mean, I don't know for sure. But I have a new theory. What? It's uh, the fluoride in the, in the water. That's it. That's yeah. it. Don't go to the dentist, folks. Do not. Fluoride. Lizard is people. Brain control. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that's definitely it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it is a little strange that it all happened at the same time, Mm -hmm. but they just kind of chalk that up to, it was in the environment, somebody was probably gossiping about it, it got around. Yeah, it's a small town, imagine small school, like, they may not socialize with each other, but that doesn't, like, you know, there were so many girls at our high school I didn't socialize with, but I knew them. And you knew about them. Yeah. Yeah. And God knows if something like that happened in their school, everybody would have known about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... And, uh, yeah, so I, I actually, I did watch a video of uh, a couple of the girls, or I think three of them. Mm-hmm. There were only 14 in total. One was actually a guy. I think okay. it was, like, 13 girls and one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and one 30-year-old woman was, like, randomly in there as well. I to be a part of it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think those were some of the ones that popped up later, like, after the initial yeah. outbreak. Um, but uh, they... What was I going to say? Shit. Oh, so, yeah. So I watched some videos of, like, uh, some of these girls when they had their symptoms, and they were really bad. But to me, as somebody who's seen people with Tourette's syndrome, both, you know, on TV, you know, it's pretty, like, I think I watched a dating show where they were like, date someone with Tourette's and see how awkward it is. And it was like, oh, this is interesting. But, a little offensive. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, um, 
I mean, it wasn't like, see how awkward this is. It was like, I mean, I, that was definitely the underlying tone of the show, but it was like date someone with a, some sort of affliction and, you know, see that they're human too, I think was supposed to be the show, but it was kind of like a weird. They aimed this way and shot that. Yeah, exactly. I pointed my hands in different directions. Anyway, but I mean, I, yeah, I also knew someone and was in multiple classes with somebody who had Tourette's. Okay. So. I remember the high school, there was a teacher who had Tourette's. Oh. People loved him because he was so funny. I I have yeah I I don't know but um, I, I remember everyone talked about him. They were like he's so funny and they also were like sometimes he says cuss words in the <laughs> class. And you can do that and you know as a teenager it's like oh you're allowed to say fuck <laughs> yeah so um you, you know from shit? from observing the ticks happen so mm, like sporadically and without like there's no hesitation it happens immediately it's like mm-hmm. a reflex and it's um, usually, like, the guy I saw in some of my classes, his his tics were, like, um, sneezing, sniffling, coughing, um, uncontrollable, like, wiping his nose, and, uh, you know, jerking movements like that, scooting around in his chair. It, mm. You know, he didn't really do cuss words or anything yeah. like that. And, uh, That's he didn't, actually not common at all. Yeah. And he didn't make, like, many vocalizations except for, like, the clearing his throat and, like, those sorts of things. I think if I remember, because I remember learning about tricks, I think usually there's like, I think it's usually they have like one vocal tick, and it's usually more like other ones that they have. Like yeah. you mentioned the wiping your nose, moving the chair and stuff. Yeah. And of course, the one on the dating show said cuss words, but that was because it was like the dating show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like and I, they wanted to get the ones that yeah. would be like bollocks. Yeah. Well, you know? That's like the whole thing, right? The, the TV way of Tourette's is they, they say, like, the most inappropriate things ever. Yeah. And it's like, no, their words could be literally anything. Yep. They could scream chair. Yeah. In the middle of church. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Something. But, and it's uncontrollable, and it's very mm-hmm. quick, and it's like, there was no sort of, like, pre-thinking time. Yeah. When I watch these girls, it kind of reminded me of when I get my chills, and you know me, so you know that I really go like, oh, like yeah. I'm like really <laughs> like thing. exaggerated it's a whole out. Production. And to be honest, if I controlled it, I probably wouldn't have to like yeah. it would. I could probably control it if I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more what it reminded me of. It reminded because like a lot of the girl would be like, but it was like it was like she was shuddering. But it wasn't as quick and as reflexive as the Tourette's I've seen. Or like, you know, it looked like she wasn't wanting to do that for sure. But it it didn't look like Tourette's. Tourette's. Right. It's like, you're like, that's what someone... And it didn't look like a seizure either. Mm -hmm. It looked like when I get a shiver and I go... Like, and it looked like... Or like when I get restless leg and I go like... So it, it looked more like that. Like I've seen a seizure once, and they don't really. I haven't seen like huge, huge full movements. Body spasms. Yeah, it tends to be like, like more contained but jerky. And it, it, yeah, it's very terrifying to see. And like, as just a you know, um, they weren't like claiming to have Tourette's. They just said these were Tourette's like symptoms. Yeah. But like, it still, it just didn't look. You know, it didn't look quote unquote right. It looked kind of like overly exaggerated mm-hmm. and a little bit like, like when I over exaggerate yeah. my little yeah. blah, 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 things. It looked like, yeah, it looked like someone's idea of if they 
you know, had like a compulsion to do yeah. something or look like or to do something. And I highly doubt she was doing it on purpose because again, she was doing this like unconsciously. Like she'd yeah. fall asleep and still be well, yeah, like they doing said this it. This sedative, like I'm like exactly yeah. like with sedatives, she would mm-hmm. still do it. So it's like I know she's not in control. Yeah, but. It, it still looked weird and like mm-hmm. it goes back to you saying like it's kind of like their idea of what it should look like not the actual symptoms wrapping it all back around yeah 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 okay we so compare notes right. at all um still yeah and the mom was utterly convinced she had Tourette's and or I think I saw like conflicting like in the Wikipedia page it said mm-hmm. chronic Lyme disease in the article, it said Tourette's, or one or, one or the other, like, it, one place said Tourette's, one place said chronic Lyme disease. They were treating her for those more physical symptoms. And she was also reported to be the one that didn't get better. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. is highly suspicious to me. Yeah. I feel bad for her. At least I'm pretty sure it was the girl I watched. I know one of them was diagnosed with a more physical thing, and she did not really improve in her symptoms. Mm-hmm. The ones that sought counseling improved by the time graduation rolled around, which is about six months after the incident started. Uh So, yeah, I kind of, I do lean towards this was conversion disorder and not a toxin, probably not anything Mm -hmm. hidden by the government. The government definitely was acting weird and probably because they were scared it was toxins. But But also that's just how the government is with toxins. They're like, oh, shit, yeah. Oh, fuck, 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 Flint. Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah, fuck. The uh, the message here, guys, is um, mental illnesses are a thing. Yes. Don't stigmatize them. Yeah. Oh my God, yes, your teen daughter was probably just. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I think it's actually less than half the teens, you know, actually show any, like, threshold level mental disorders. But oh. being a teen just sucks. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, so I just yeah, I feel like this was definitely some form of mass conversion disorder, mm-hmm. mass psychogenic illness. And um, it unfortunately spread a lot. And I, I think that goes back to it being a rural area where they didn't have a lot else going on. And it was winter time, and, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the media attention increased everybody's, like, attention to it. And, yeah. Spread. Yep. So, very strange case, but most likely just psychology. Weird and, uh, psychology. Uh, it all goes back. <laughs> yeah. So those are my cases. That's fine. Yeah. The cats are screaming, so we should probably go. Your cat's been clawing at my carpet. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, we know it goes. If there's damage, I'm not the one paying for it, but I'm just kidding. I can't control him. He should pay. (laughs) Tatsu, get a job. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, um, that was our podcast episode. Um, Thank you for listening. Yeah. Please come back again. Yes. Great friends with yes, you, family. Definitely. Um, Significant others, pets. Maybe not grandma and grandpa, unless, unless they're into this sort of thing. Yeah. Some people have chill grandpas chill and grandmas. Yeah. I, I, I can't relate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yours are very chill. They're so chill, they're six feet under. Shish. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Too soon? Eh, it's been a while. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have no real personal connection. I only knew like one of them, so it's fine. Anyway, um, <laughs> rate, <laughs> review, subscribe, subscribe, do all those fun things you do when you Ooh. click and type fun things. 
And thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And Gracias. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.